history tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in Central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spooktacular people. Welcome to this 97th episode of the History Goes Bump podcast. Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I am your host, Diane. And this is Denise. And on today's episode, we're going to Missouri, to Springfield. This is the second time we've been in Springfield. We did the Landers Theater before, but we're going there again because one of our research assistants, Amy Connor, wanted to do a location from her hometown, which is where she, well, I don't know if she'd call this hometown because she's really from Louisville, but this is where she lives right now. And we're going to do the Pythian Castle. So we're having back-to-back castles, kind of, sort of. This isn't like a legitimate castle, castle, but it looks like one. You're going to hurt the poor Pythian Castle's feelings, saying it's not legit. Are you telling me that a building has feelings? Yes. (laughs) Well, maybe that's why they get haunted then. (laughs) Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Well, if it wasn't haunted before, it is haunted now. So we will get into talking about that in just a moment. We want to point you at our historygoesbump.com website. Denise, if people would like to send us an email, where can they do that? They're going to do that at historygoesbump at gmail.com. And we did receive an email from Rick Kennett. And he writes for Ghost and Scholars about James Ian podcasts. So he sent me this little email here. He said, uh, Dear Denise and Diane, found you a few days ago while searching the web for podcasts of M.R. James Ghost Stories and came across your Xmas specials with Canon Albrecht's Scrapbook and The Haunted Doll's House. I do a piece for the UK magazine Ghost and Scholars on Jamesian Podcasts, which in a fit of originality I've called Jamesian Podcasts, <laughs> spotlighting shows that do readings of or discuss James stories and those of his followers. History Goes Bump will be getting a mention in the next issue due out probably April. Isn't that cool? That's super cool. He actually sent me the link so that I could see it. Glad you did a reading of The Red Lodge 2. Wakefield is an underrated writer. When you're next looking for fiction for your show, you might like to check out his Blind Man's Bluff. Creepy hardly begins to describe it. So you know what I'm putting on the uh, for our next Christmas special. I'm probably going to have to do that one. That would be that would be very cool. I love how you're thinking of Christmas like two days after <laughs> New Year's. No, but even that. cooler than him telling us about that is that he happened to look at our archives and went, hey, they did a show on this place called Pentridge Prison. And that was in our episode number 86. And he said, looking through your archives, I was surprised to see you did a show about my own suburb of Coburg where you spoke about the ghost haunting Pentridge Prison in episode 86. I did a tour of Pentridge just after it closed in 1999. A friend of mine, Helen, wanted to go and dragged me along, though I have to say I wasn't that interested. Not even when the guide told the story of the ghostly lady, which was also mentioned in your Pentridge podcast. Then we came to the gallows, and he actually had written about this in an e-zine called Goblin Muse, and he started it off with, a funny thing happened to me on the way to the gallows. (laughs) That's fantastic. (laughs) Love it. This is a metal walkway running between two upper galleries, and in the middle of this walkway is where the trap once was, now welded shut. Beside it is a small slot where the lever used to be. As I stood with the rest of the tour group looking at the noose hanging down for tourist effect from the great oak beam above the walkway, I had the feeling several people had pressed up behind me, but there was no one there. 
Slightly spooked, I asked Helen to take a photo of me on the off chance something might develop in the shop. Nothing did, and I later convinced myself it was just my jacket pulling across my shoulders. But now, having heard your talk on Pentridge's ghosts, I'm beginning to wonder if I hadn't been right in the first place. Was it a ghost or was it a jacket? That is for you to decide. (laughs) (laughs) I basically, I thanked him for the honor of being mentioned in uh, Ghost and Scholars. I've actually looked at some of their stuff when I'm looking into M.R. James. And as I've said many times, I love M.R. James. So it's no doubt he's going to make appearances on our show. But I did tell him I am an open-minded skeptic. But I do have to say the feeling of having your jacket pressed across your shoulders is quite different than a crowd of people pressing up against you. Wouldn't you say? I would think so. So I don't know. I don't know exactly what that feeling was, but I said, it might have been something, which makes me wonder, was this a crowd of people who thought they were going to be watching someone get hung from the gallows? So is that some kind of residual energy of the people who would have been there watching? Very possibly. It still blows my mind that that was like a... Something that I'll go to watch. Let's, <laughs> let's take the let's picnic. Yeah, let's go let's out and have, have this great time watching somebody get executed. <laughs> Hey, Marge, grab the kids in the picnic basket. We're going to a hanging. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a couple of people to welcome to the Spooktacular crew? We want to welcome Valerie. Hey, Valerie. And Michelle. Hi, Michelle. And on our previous episode, we had Freya join us. Do you want to announce that the University of Queensland has accepted our Freya and that she has been invited to join their international studies? So congratulations, Freya. We're very proud of you. Whoop, whoop. Well, on that episode that we did, we talked about Oyster Mouth Castle, and we talked about the ghost, you remember, of the woman, the lady in white, who had the lash marks on her back. And we kept trying to surmise, well, do you choose what you're going to be when you die? Blah, 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 blah. Because, you know, we really don't know Can until we get bleed? there. bleed? We, yeah. Sure. Well, Shelby, who's one of our listeners, had a bit of a theory that she shared in the Spectacular Crew. And she said, listening to the newest podcast on my way home from dog training this morning, another great episode and wonderful to hear from the quote unquote international correspondent and another woman in white. Go figure. While you ladies were discussing why and if she picked to look like that with the lashed back, it made me wonder, what if it's a form of purgatory? Maybe it's a form of punishment or payment due for misdeeds in her life. I have a hard time believing God, the creator, however you see or think of him, her would be so harsh. But if the Bible's correct or believed, he did and has done some pretty harsh things like flooding the entire earth to wipe out the populace. So what would a couple hundred years roaming the earth crying in pain be to him? Just my musings on the subject because I can't believe a woman, any woman, would choose that. So I thought that was an interesting theory I hadn't even thought about. I'm not Catholic, so I don't believe in purgatory necessarily, but I do sometimes wonder if people who aren't going to heaven get left down here. So is that you get left here and then you have some form of punishment. We did get some more reviews over at iTunes, and we do greatly appreciate those when you guys do that. First one is from Mary Landrew. Very interesting and entertaining five stars. I love the podcast. I was referred by Bizarre States, who mentioned us again in another episode. So thank you to Jessica and Bowser for that. We appreciate it. Jessica and Bowser, they're becoming our BFFs. And if Johnny comes over to listen, hi, Johnny. We love your EVPs of Gettysburg. Yes pretty creepy. So if you guys should listen to Bizarre State so you can hear the EVPs that he's caught at Gettysburg. Uh, anyway, she said that she'd heard about us a few weeks ago, and this was just what I was looking for. I got hooked and sent you guys a message on Facebook. And to my surprise, I hear my name while driving home from work a few days later. The personal connection you make with your audience is very neat. 
something I've never experienced with a podcast, and it made my experience all the better. It feels like supporting a few friends. Keep it up. Well, thank you, Mary. We do consider all of our listeners. Well, we used to consider you guys our friends. Now we consider you our nieces and nephews. <laughs> we're the aunties. <laughs> I know. Every, everybody's I was like, you like our aunties. You like our favorite aunties. You like the sweet aunties. So I guess we've just become the aunts to like how many followers but i have to say that when we started this podcast that was the number one thing for me is that as long as we had a couple of listeners we would love doing the show and in order to get listeners and keep listeners you need to build that kind of community and that's the most important i don't care how big we get if we are at the top of the number one we can dream can't we yeah dream we will never ever not have a personal connection with our listeners I would never allow that to happen. I would rather have 10 listeners than to have a million listeners and not have a connection to those people. And that's very true, Diane, because I very much, if there's not a person, con- people connection, I'm not interested. Exactly. And that's so. why we kind of take it personal when people give us like a one-star review or complain because we have too much mindless chatter and not enough <laughs> content. And I've always laughed about that because I'm like, if you're listening to the podcast, you're listening to our content. What I loved about uh, Jessica when she was talking about our show, she'd said, when you listen to History Goes Bomb, it's more of a fun podcast to listen to. She mentioned another podcast that I absolutely love as well. You Must Remember This, which is about old Hollywood and stuff. And so she'd mentioned that and she said, that's more like a documentary or lore is more like a documentary, serial more like a documentary. So there are different types of podcasts out there. Ours is not like those. We don't want it to be like those. And so I I don't know if people are comparing us to that. And that's why all of a sudden we're not giving them enough content because I'm like, if you're getting 30 minutes, 45 minutes from us and we're talking, it's content. Then we also got a five star review from Denver, Colorado reviewer. wonder where they're from. Denver, our old hunting grounds, our old stomping grounds. Our old stomping grounds. Just started listening to this while I work and enjoy it so much. Makes for a much more productive and tolerable workday. Great job, ladies. P.S. Sending good vibes from Denver, Colorado. Well, thank you. Just don't send any snow or cold. Yeah, we used to actually live just a block up from the state capitol in Denver. Actually, that was the first place we lived Indeed. together. In a very small little studio apartment. We slept on a little twin futon. <laughs> yeah, it was in Poets was Row. Yes, on Poets Row. That was in the Robert Frost building. Thank we did you have very much. We did have a listener ask us if we'd heard of Fairmont Cemetery as well. I believe it was in the Spooktacular Crew. And it is my one of my most favorite cemeteries just because I'd spent so much time there, a lot of my childhood there. And I said, oh, yeah, we've heard of Fairmont. That's actually where I wanted to be buried when we lived in Colorado. Now that we're here in Florida, my folks have moved here. I'll probably get buried somewhere near here. And Denise, we got another review from Australia. Perfect. We're up to six reviews there. That's pretty cool. This is from Losty1990. Just started listening and it's fantastic. Five stars. Really enjoy what I've heard so far. Well, thank you so much, Losty. We appreciate that. Yes, we do. Hope it doesn't mean they're lost in the outback. Denise, shall we head on over to Missouri and check out a very cool castle? Absolutely. This is a really cool building, I do have to say. It looks very cool architecturally. So if you look in our show notes, you'll see a picture of it. Or just Google it. Become an executive producer of the History Goes Bump podcast for as little as a buck a month. For $5 a month, you can access exclusive content like the Haunted True Crime bonus cast. And for $10 and above a month, you get all that plus awesome History Goes Bump gear. Check out patreon.com slash history goes bump for more information. Or you can give us a one-time donation by clicking the donate button at historygoesbump.com.
History is full of oddities, curiosities, mysteries, and the truly bizarre. Welcome to This Moment in Oddity. The novel Phantom of the Opera was written by French journalist Gaston LaRue and originally was published as a series of articles in La Galois. LaRue was an investigative reporter and he based the novel on very real facts. The opera house in the book was based on a real opera house named Opera Garnier in Paris, which actually had underground tunnels and an underground lake. The Opera Garnier did catch fire and a woman was killed when a chandelier fell from the ceiling. There was a real man named Eric that LaRue based his phantom character on that was from the Normandy area. He'd been born with a disfigured face and his parents had abandoned him when he was still a child. A sideshow circus brought him into their fold and put him on display as a freak. When Eric was older, the circus traveled to Persia and he ran away, soon finding himself performing for the Shah. He began to work as an architect assistant at this time also and soon was designing buildings himself. He helped in the construction of the Opera Garnier and got by in society by covering his face with a mask. He became wealthy and was always seen wearing a suit and a felt top hat. Box 5 was his at the Opera House, just as it is in this novel, and he had built into the balcony a hollow column so he could come and go as he pleased. He did fall in love with an opera singer named Christina and kidnapped her, holding her for three weeks. His apartment was below the opera house, and the rejection by the opera singer caused him to wall up his apartment, where he more than likely died of starvation. When the opera Bastille was built to replace the opera Garnier, workmen found the apartment with a skeleton inside. It wore a ring that Eric was known to have worn. Fact can sometimes be stranger than fiction, and sometimes an odd true legend can make fiction all too real. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it! You're ignorant! They're coming for you, Barbara. Stop it! You're acting like a child! They're coming for you! Look! There comes one of them now! He'll hear you! Here he comes now! I'm getting out of here! John! This Day in History On this day, January 16th in 2003, the Space Shuttle Columbia launches for what will be its last voyage to space. Columbia was the oldest shuttle in the fleet and was launched for the first time in 1981. This final mission was its 28th. On board were seven astronauts, Rick Husband, Willie McCool, Dave Brown, Kalpana Chawla, Mike Anderson, Laurel Clark, and Elon Ramon. The crew and shuttle were carrying 80 scientific experiments, and the mission lasted 16 days. Columbia was returning to Earth on February 1st when something went terribly wrong, and the shuttle broke apart upon re-entry, killing all those on board. A piece of insulating foam had broken off from an external tank during liftoff and punched a hole in one of the wings, allowing the heat from re-entry to destroy the support structure, and the shuttle broke apart. The Columbia was not rebuilt, and the 84,000 pieces of it that were collected are now stored in an office suite at Kennedy Space Center. You're listening to History Goes Bump! And we want to thank our research assistant, Amy Connor. 
for helping us out on this one. Yes, thank you, Amy. One would not expect to find a castle in a Missouri city like Springfield, but indeed there is a structure here that is very castle-like and thus has been given the name Pythian Castle. It is a massive structure that has found itself under the supervision of various owners in the past with very different uses for the building. It has served as an orphanage and retirement home and also as a place to rehabilitate injured service members. And prisoners of war even found themselves incarcerated in the basement. The building has not been a place of tragedy, but emotions could have been high for military members and orphans alike. Or is there some other reason for supernatural activity in the building? Because there's definitely something unexplained going on within the walls. Join us as we explore the history and hauntings of the Pythian Castle. Springfield, Missouri was founded in 1833 in the Green and Christian County seats. It was included in the Louisiana Purchase of 1803. Springfield was the host of a Civil War battle and also helped usher in the Wild West era with a gunfight between Wild Bill Hickok and Davis Tutt in the town square. It's safe to say the city is rich in history. Included in the town's history is that of Pythian Castle. The Pythian Castle sits in what is now considered the north end of town, It was built by the Knights of Pythias in 1913. The Knights of Pythias was a fraternal organization formed in Washington, D.C. in 1864, and it was the first to be chartered by an act of Congress. And Denise, I wanted to find out a little bit more about this because I'd never heard of the Knights of Pythias. Had you? I had not. I'd heard of a lot of the other orders, but not this one. Apparently it was founded by Justice H. Rathbone, which makes me think of Sherlock Holmes. And it's dedicated to universal peace. There are more than 2,000 lodges in the world. The order is named for Pythias, one of the members of the Damon and Pythias story from Greece. These two men were real historical figures that were against the king of Syracuse because he'd obtained the throne by fraud. Damon was condemned to death and Pythias joined his friend out of loyalty and love. It is that spirit in which the order was founded. The Civil War was raging when the order formed and Abraham Lincoln wrote of it, quote, The purposes of your organization are most wonderful. If we could but bring its spirit to all our citizenry, what a wonderful thing it would be. It breathes the spirit of friendship, charity, and benevolence. It is one of the best agencies conceived for the upholding of government, honoring the flag, for the uniting of our brethren of the North and of the South, for teaching the people to love one another, and portraying the sanctity of the home and loved ones. I would suggest that these great principles be perpetrated and that you go to the Congress of the United States and ask for a charter and so organize on a great scale throughout this nation and disseminate this wonderful work that you have so nobly started. I will do all in my power to assist you in this application and with your work, end quote. So, wow, what an endorsement there. (laughs) The president tells you, I'll back you. You go up to Congress and ask them to charter you. I know, because that just doesn't happen anymore. That's pretty... No. Now, this is a secret and ritualistic organization, though. And so it's like your Masons, your Odd Fellows, and Denise, and to the listeners as well, because they know a lot of places that we don't know yet. It seems like every Masonic building, every Odd Fellows building, what have you, is haunted. The place that we met for the tour in St. Charles was the Oddfellows building. And that place was horribly haunted. I guess they'd had a real coffin in there with a real skeleton in it for a while for one of their rituals. And to me, any group that's secretive about what they're doing is a little worrisome. 
Now, we have Masons in our family, and I have Masons that are friends. And so I don't necessarily believe that there's nefarious stuff going on. But when you're secretive, people are going to start talking about it. And they're maybe going to make stuff up. And I also wonder how many people on the lower levels know what's going on in the upper echelons. I'm saying that because as we look at the history of this location, we don't have any big tragedies that have happened here. Most places when they're pretty haunted have some kind of tragedy. It's caught fire at some point. People have died there in a you know large quantity or something. And we're not going to see a whole lot of that when it comes to this building. So I don't know why it would have this haunting stuff going on necessarily. And I don't know. I just know that is it a coincidence that these places always seem to be haunted? Or is it something to do with the rituals and what they're calling forward and what they're doing? Or do they, we have the fraternal order of ghosts? <laughs> that could be. They just want to get in. <laughs> They're just like, hey, here's what our, it is. We have our own order and we already had a success in this building. Let's move in. Here's what it is. For all those years, they're like, you wouldn't let me in there. Well, now I'm a ghost. I can come in. <laughs> I'm there now. Can't keep secrets from me anymore. Don't you like how we make up our own histories? I'm sure listeners love it. Pythian Castle was originally built on 53 now down to 2.6 acres that were bought for $1 from the Chamber of Commerce that was desperate for the Knights to choose Springfield for their lodge over several other cities in Missouri. It would take the organization 20 more years to raise the $75,000 it would cost to build. Construction began in 1913, though it's unclear how long it took. The building is constructed of Carthage stone, a particularly hard type of limestone found in the Ozarks. Hmm. Of course, that could be another reason. <laughs> exactly. There's our limestone again. <laughs> the interior is made of steel framework with poured concrete floors and stairs. The walls consist of fireproof pyrobar blocks converted in steel mesh and several coatings of plaster. Pyrobar is a fire-resistant gypsum-based product that was used between 1903 and 1960 and makes wall building rapid. Now, I just want to point out there, when you hear pyro bar, a lot of people are like, okay. A fire bar, let's get a drink. If it's fire (laughs) resistant, does it have asbestos in it? And there's a lot of people that worry about this because this is used in a lot of old buildings. That plaster that they put all over it prevents the asbestos from coming through. There's a minimal amount of asbestos in the pyro bar. It's mostly in the mortar. So... If you are living in an old building and it has been built from this and the plaster starts to fall off, that's when you need to worry. As long as it's got plaster still on it, you're okay. That's my little service announcement. (laughs) Public service announcement for this show. (laughs) So if you live in an old building, you need to say it a little bit more sales like, but that's okay. (laughs) It is two stories with a full basement and comes to almost 40,000 square feet. That's a lot of feet. 40,000 square feet. That's a huge, huge place. When it was completed, it featured a grand foyer, meeting room, ballroom, dining hall, and sitting parlors. The second floor featured a theater with a working ticket booth, seats, upper projection theater lighting, and dressing rooms in the back. This meant the theater was well-suited for film and live plays. There was also an underground steam tunnel that connected the main building to the powerhouse in the back. So I have a question, Diane, because I didn't read as much about the 
the knights that that wanted the who built the Pythian castle was it a co-ed organization or did they just bring the girls in every so often? I believe it's co-ed in the way that the Masons are co-ed. There are I can't remember what they call them, but they're called like the Pythian women or ladies, which would be like the is it Eastern Star in I the believe Masonic so. Order? I believe so. So okay. they they have the branch off of probably the kids and the females but they're not allowed to come in for like the ritualistic stuff but what's interesting is as i'm getting ready to read here what the main purpose of this building was for it wasn't just for them to gather together to have their meetings it actually had a specific purpose that they were looking for well definitely with the ballroom and stuff i mean that's more than a meeting place exactly this is a theater yeah The building was originally meant to be an orphanage and a retirement home for the children and widows of the Knights. So it was kind of supposed to be a special place for them. It was named the Pythian Home of Missouri. So when you see some old pictures of it, and that is what I do have in our show notes today, you'll see that that is what the name of the building is at that time. For nearly 30 years, it ran as such until it was commandeered by the U.S. military in 1942 to be used during World War II. POWs were held in the basement, and the rest of the property was used to entertain and rehabilitate injured U.S. troops from the adjacent O'Reilly General Hospital. It was renamed the Enlisted Men's Service Club during this time. It included the movie theater, a bowling alley, arts and crafts area, pool hall, library, and the ballroom. Many famous actors, actresses, musicians, and other performers of the day often graced the ballroom and stage to cheer up sick and injured soldiers. After World War II ended, the building was retained by the U.S. government as a reserve center until it was sold as surplus in 1993. It was bought by its current owner in 2003 and added to the National Register of Historic Places in 2009. It was then renamed the Pythian Castle, and it now offers day and night ghost tours, history tours, and event hosting. Ooh, I definitely want to go to a ghost tour there. That would be awesome. Yeah, we'll have to make a trip to Springfield. It's kind of near the Ozarks, which we want to go camping in. Oh, absolutely. I have a cousin that lives there, and then, of course, Amy lives there. So Yeah. As far as hauntings go, it certainly falls under that category. It has been featured on several TV shows, including Ghost Lab, Haunted Collector, and Children of the Grave. It is also featured in the book Haunted Route 66 and has even earned the title of Certified Haunted Castle. And we definitely would love to do the whole Haunted Route 66 from cover to cover. I think we're going to have to get that book. I absolutely think so. I've wanted to do Route 66. Would that not be so fun in the camper? Just take off down Route 66 and see all the hauntings. Many of the hauntings are rumored to be from the spirits of orphans that were abused here and prisoners of war that were purported to be tortured here. Both of these are legends, so we can't be sure of their authenticity. No public records were found proving either to be anything other than rumors. But both of those would certainly make hauntings make sense. Encounters include disembodied voices, temperature changes, orbs, full and partial bodied apparitions, objects moving on their own, Strong changes in emotion, unexplained sense, and physical encounters. Whenever I see unexplained sense, I always have a certain thought. (laughs) Did you have tacos before you did that uh, ghost hunt? (laughs) Oh, did you really go there? Yes, she did. One story goes as far back as World War II. A young soldier was preparing to deploy and found himself on the second floor alone. He suddenly felt very uneasy and as if there were someone in the room with him. 
even though he was certain he was alone. He then heard a man and woman speaking in hushed tones. When asked what he did next, he said, I got the heck out of there. Smart man. (laughs) Yeah. If you hear people who are speaking in hushed tones and there's nobody with you, yeah, good idea. Because they're probably talking about what they're going to do to you if they're in hushed tones. Or they might just be talking to each other and not even realize you're there. Mine's scarier. Yes, it is. But you like scary movies. I like haunted histories. (laughs) Another tale includes two young men riding mopeds around town late one night when they happened upon the castle. One of the men decided he wanted to show it to his friend, so they decided to walk up the front steps. As they approached the front door, they heard a loud banging overhead. It was after midnight with no cars in the lot. So they were understandably shaken up and left pretty quickly. Another story is that of a pair of sisters that were on a ghost tour. They were each in separate parts of the building when they had their experiences. The first was in the steam tunnel, and while recording, one sister got an EVP of a male voice saying, Get out. Reminds me of that jail. But she didn't know until she arrived home later that evening. Around the same time, her sister was in a room on the second floor taking pictures when her ear was blown into. She quickly ran out of the room and exited the building in fright. The sisters also had issues with fully charged batteries draining quickly, only to find that the batteries were in fact fully charged when they arrived home. The current owner of the building's name is Tamara Finacciaro, and she has said that she personally has heard them say her name. They've touched her, and she's seen them. Oh, geez, that that would make you wonder about your tenants. (laughs) And when she originally bought it, she didn't know it was haunted. They found out the hard way. And now she says she experiences them daily. Oh, wow. Every single day? That's crazy. We know there's some from the original time period when it was an old folks home, and we know we have some from the military time period, but we can't put a number on it. (laughs) Great. So they've got so many in there, they're like, we're not sure how many we got. The kids, I guess, used to slide down the banister there, and people still, to this day, will hear kids giggling and making their noises as if they're coming down the banister. Have the lonely and sad souls of orphans and wounded servicemen decided to make Pythian Castle their internal home? Is there some other reason for unexplained experiences in the castle? Is Pythian Castle haunted? That is for you to decide. Well, that sounds like an interesting place to definitely check out. Absolutely. On our next show, we are going to Grand Rapids, Michigan, Denise. Grand Rapids, I bet you that... There are some people up there that wish we were coming in person. I'm sure they do, but at this time of the year, heck no. <laughs> no way. We are planning on coming that way someday, but not. it will never, ever be in uh, January. And then, Denise, I got a really neat email from a guy by the name of Dan Terry. He's an author and a podcaster. And he says, I just want to send you some books. And I was like, okay. And he sent me three books. And they're very cool books, too. Yeah, this first one is Haunted Jails and Ghostly Tales of Those Too Honorary to Die. That's going to be me. <laughs> too Honorary to Die. He also wrote Missouri Shadow. Since we were talking about Missouri, I thought this was kind of apropos. A Journey Through the Lesser Known, the Famous, and the Infamous Haunts of Missouri. And the third one is River Shadows, Ghosts and Legends of America's River Towns. And he's got Illinois, Alton, there you go, Denise, Missouri, Tennessee, Kansas, Ohio, Kentucky, Georgia, Arkansas, New Mexico, and Iowa are all in here. 
it's too bad we did not have that book before we did our road trip because we went through so many of those states. Exactly. And Dan has a neat nickname for himself. He calls himself the Spook Stalker. So if you want to check out these books and his other stuff, that's at spookstalker.com. And he hosts the Behind the Shadows podcast. So I'm looking forward to getting into those. And uh, I have a feeling that Dan will be making an appearance on our show. I, I do, too, because these books are super cool. We haven't had a chance to read them all the way through, but just leafing through them, they're they're very neat. Indeed. Well, we want to thank you guys for tuning in for this episode. I have been your host, Diane. And this has been Denise. You take care now. Bye-bye. Executive producers of this podcast have been Dave and Ann, Melissa, Levi, Nicole, Jade, Sharon, Cricket, April, Katie, Stephen, Heather, Amy, Tanya, Leanna, Laura, Seth, Tracy, Josh, Barbara, Ashley, Griffin, David, Wendy, Roger, Jenny Lee, Liz, Lana, John, Stuart, Kelsey, Diane, Dan, Janice, John, Laura, Homeworks, and welcome to brand new executive producer, Alicia. And I do want to thank all of you personally from the bottom of our hearts. I just got back to work this week, so I was a month off of work, and since I am self-employed, that meant a month of no money (laughs) coming in from my work, because I don't have sick pay and vacation pay since I'm self-employed. So you guys literally helped us pay the bills last month, so thank you so much for that. Yes, thank you, and not only for the monetary support, but we got lots of well wishes and Emails and comments, just um, thinking about Diane, sending prayers, good thoughts. So we we definitely appreciate you all. Hello, this is Victoria from victoriaslift.com. When I'm not taking those who must choose their destiny for a ride on the lift, I'm listening to History Goes Bump podcast. History isn't boring, it's terrifying. The past remains with us, and so do its spirits. Can you hear them calling? They want you to know their stories. Listen now to their voices and the truth from the past. Societies rise and societies fall. When the time comes, one society steps forward to build a better future. The Wicked Library, Kettle Whistle Radio, Ninth Story Podcast. Prog Watch, Red Horse Radio, The Lift, History Goes Bump, Listen, The M Writing Podcast, Society 13, Rebuilding Society, one podcast at a time.